When you think of the Peninsular War of 1807 to 1814, you probably don't think of skilled marksmen taking out enemy commanders from extreme ranges. Well, in general, you'd be right, but amongst Britain's green-clad elite riflemen of the era were some exceptionally talented men, one of whom achieved what was arguably the greatest feat of marksmanship seen during the conflict. The amazing Rob from British Muzzleloaders joined me on the show in 2020 and I'm including some short clips from him from that interview about the Baker rifle in order to better explain this fascinating story. If we have to talk Baker marksmanship, there is one person and name that's going to pop up no matter which way you slice it and this of course is Plunkett. Plunkett was a rifleman in the 95th and partook in the retreat to Corona in the winter of 1808-1809. Apparently he was a very good shot. He's also famous for other things like ill-discipline and drink and, and, and things that the, the bane of, of soldiers of the era. So let me give a little bit of the backstory to what Plunkett did. It's early January 1809. The British are on the run from a huge French army. The rear guard is at a village called Casabellos on the Kua or Sua River. Suddenly the French approach the main bridge just as the British were in the middle of a punishment parade nearby. With impressive timing, six or eight squadrons of French cavalry now appeared on the skyline, scattering the pickets of the first 95th rifles and a small number of horsemen from the 15th Hussars. Under the command of the dashing young General Colbert, who some said was the most handsome man in the French army, they forced the bridge over the river sewer and charged four abreast. Robert Blakeney, a young infantry officer, later recalled, during this onset, it means attack, they were severely galled by the 95th, who by this time had lined the hedges on either side of the road within a few yards of their flanks, and by our own light company immediately in their front, who it was evidently their intention to break through, as they rode close to our bayonets. But their ranks being much thinned by the destructive flanking fire of the rifles and of the standing ranks of the light company, their charge was vain. They wheeled about and underwent the same ordeal in retiring, so that but few survived to tell their tragic tale. The road was absolutely choked with their dead." End quote. During this fight around the bridge, General Colbert himself was also killed in one of the most celebrated individual achievements of the Peninsular War. Rifleman Costello, who later joined Plunkett's unit and heard the story of the famous shot secondhand, wrote in his memoirs, Colbert was remarkably active as well as conspicuous from riding a grey horse, and though frequently aimed at by our men seemed to bear a charmed life, as he invariably escaped. In one of the French charges headed by this officer, our general Sir Edward Paget rode up to the rifles and offered any man his purse who would shoot this daring Frenchman whom he pointed out. Plunkett immediately started from his company and, running about a hundred yards nearer to the enemy, he threw himself on his back on the road, which was covered with snow, placing his foot in the sling of his rifle and taking deliberate aim, shot General Colbert. His, as in Colbert's trumpet major, riding up to him shared the same fate from Tom's unerring rifle. Our men who had been anxiously watching Tom immediately cheered him, and he had just time by running in upon the rearmost sections to escape some dozen or so French troopers who made chase after him. Our general immediately gave Tom the purse he had promised." End quote. The distance of this shot has been debated endlessly, some saying it was 500 metres. Though given the limitations of the Baker rifle, more than 300 metres does seem a bit unlikely. 
Oh, I hope you make this shot so much. So using his intimate knowledge of the Baker rifle, what does Rob think is a more realistic assessment of the range of these legendary shots? I've seen articles that are quoting the event at, you know, 800 yards and it's so absolutely ridiculous. So there's the main backside and then there's a leaf and that leaf can be flipped up and down and that gives you an extra range setting. So apparently uh, the rifles were sighted to 200 with the main backside and 300 with the leaf. If you're going to shoot past 300 yards, you need to be able to judge the extra windage that you'll need to shoot above your target so that the rifle ball will travel through the air and fall down to the right point of impact. You know, at 300 yards, the groupings are bigger, slightly bigger than sort of man size. Like they're approaching, you know, three feet in, in, over 10 rounds kind of thing. So there's a fair, you put a, a person or a figure standing up inside that circle, there's the ones that it will miss. And you certainly can't pick your point like I'm going to hit him in the head or the left arm. You're well past that point that you can't just say, well, you know, Plunkett was a really good shot. He could have done it. Well, maybe, yeah, sure. If he had a space rifle that was made three years ago, yeah, he could have. But he didn't have one of those. He had a rifle that had inherent flaws. When it is a good shot and it is long range, that 200 yards is long range because it's either 100% or 100, you know, 300% more than the normal infantry range. So of course that, that's remarkable. So there you have it. Rob thinks the shots were taken at a range of around 200 yards, which is 182 meters. But what of Rifleman Plunkett himself? Did this deed set him up for an amazing career, perhaps a commission? Let's return to Costello's memoir to find out more. He says, but the truth must be told. Like all heroes, Tom had his faults. Among these in particular was one which, in its destructive consequences, was calculated to counterbalance in a soldier a thousand virtues. In other words, Tom was a thirsty soul and exceedingly fond of a drop. This was his unfortunate failing through life, and but for which he must have got on in the service. One deplorable instance of insubordination arising from this vice I well remember which took place at Campo Mayor after the Battle of Talavera. Tom had been promoted to the rank of sergeant and was in the Honourable Captain Stewart's company. One morning, when the company was on private parade, Tom appeared to be tipsy, and in giving the words of command for inspection previous to the arrival of the officers, he set the men laughing. He was clearly a bit of a joke. <laughs> the pay sergeant, his superior in rank, immediately ordered him to desist. Tom refused, and while an altercation was going on, Captain Stewart came up, who, perceiving the state he was in, put him under arrest and ordered him to be confined to his quarters. Here he was no sooner left alone than, conceiving that a great indignity had been placed upon him, thoughts of vengeance immediately suggested themselves to his mind. Under the influence of intoxication, that man who, when sober, was noted for his good humour and humanity, now conceived the diabolical intention of shooting his captain. He immediately barricaded the door of the room and then set about loading some 10 or 12 rifles belonging to men then on fatigue duty. Taking up one of these and cocking it, he placed himself at an open window for the avowed purpose, as he stated to several of the men, of shooting Captain Stewart as he passed. Fortunately, the captain got notice of the danger. End quote. Plunkett eventually sobered up, but was charged, reduced to the ranks, and flogged. 
Costello says it was a sad moment for the entire battalion who all respected his bravery and marksmanship. According to an article by a man called Dave Gower on the 95th Rifles website, Plunkett continued to serve with distinction and was eventually demobilized in 1817. As an interesting aside that perhaps sheds a, a little light on his character, at the Battle of Quatre Bras, his then-girlfriend, standing too close to the action, was injured and hideously burned. Her face was literally destroyed. Despite this, Plunkett, who was a bigger man than me, stuck with her and married her after the Battle of Waterloo. Together, they continued to scrape a living. He briefly returned to the army and later they tried their luck as farmers in Canada. Nothing worked for them. The last time Costello saw Plunkett, he was selling matches on the street. In 1839, he dropped dead. He and his wife were still destitute and penniless. It was a sad end to an amazing life story. As Costello wrote, Alas, the brave too oft are doomed to bear the gripes of poverty, the stings of care. So I hope you enjoyed that foray back to the Peninsula War, guys. I did do a whole episode on the retreat to Karuna, which you can find if you go through my back catalogue. Also, if you go to episode 24, I think it is, is the full interview with Rob from British Muzzleloaders, where we really take a deep dive into the history, development and use of the Baker rifle. So if you enjoyed this episode, I think you're going to enjoy that. We also discuss a little bit more about Plunkett's famous shot. All right, guys, take care. Please register for my newsletter over at redcoathistory.com. When you do that, you'll get a free copy of my book on the Anglo-Zulu War.